0: now it's time for joshua to receive that leadership role that god had ordained him for this speaks to me of course about discipleship and I like to say that discipleship is somebody who is farther down the road in the things of God inviting somebody who is not as far down the road in the things of God to sit with them in the middle of their life and see what Jesus is up to that's what discipleship is
1: the Israelites are ready to enter the promised land finally it's been quite the journey but their leader isn't coming with them While that's a point of despair for many, God already had something in the works. Long before this nation reached this point, God had planned for Joshua to step into leadership. Pastor Daniel will walk through the training Joshua had received for years from Moses and how this model of discipleship continues today. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Deuteronomy chapter 34 as he continues his message, transition.
0: Moses was not allowed to go into the promised land but because of Jesus Moses ends up in the promised land and you know what that speaks to? There are many of you right now who you've been caught up in works righteousness you've been caught up in the if I do this then God will accept me and there's all sorts of fringe groups formerly called cults now they just try and call themselves churches it's works righteousness it's you have to do all these things and then God will accept you the Bible actually teaches that you put your faith and trust in Jesus and God accepts you And then because, amen, that's the good news. Jesus is perfect. And because we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we've been robed in his perfection. And then we live our lives differently because of who Jesus is. But we don't have to do these things so God accepts us. We do these things because we've already been accepted. So it's not like if I do this, now God's going to give me what I want. It's God has already done a work in my life. And because God has done that, I live differently because everything's different because of what God has done for me. And one, it speaks to a motivation that I have to win God over every day. I have to put God in my debt by all these good things that I do. And the other one says, I'm already in God's good graces. So I'm just dancing, so to speak, in the presence of the Lord. And I live with this joy in my heart. And because of what God has done for me, I just live differently. But you'll always know you're involved in works righteousness if your mistakes levels you spiritually. Because what you're trusting is, you're trusting in you not making the mistakes you make. Now, I'm not saying we should be light on sin. I'm not saying we should not think about these things. But the reality is, is that when you're motivated by the love of God and when God's love has compelled your heart and you know that Jesus finished the work, then you say, because of Jesus, how shall I live now? And you make different sets of decisions. So it's beautiful. Even though Moses isn't allowed to bring the children into the promised land, he still ends up in it. But because of Jesus. So if you have a background of, religiosity, works, righteousness. Maybe you're in some sort of a church where there's these were the rules, you had to keep the rules, the elders told you the rules, and you made sure you kept the rules. Because that was your background doesn't mean that you don't get to go to the promised land, but you only get in because of Jesus. You put your faith and trust in Jesus. And Jesus begins to reteach you and retrain you on how to live. And I love that. Our pastor Greg, who I love so much, he always says that we're all rental projects. You know, like we're all houses under construction. And it's just a matter of what part of us is under reno at any given moment. You know, and there's some of us, and I'm in that category, who grew up outside of religion. And so I had all such stuff that I did wrong. And because of that, then God's doing reno in my life. And there's others of you who grew up in legalism. You grew up in very strict, non-grace-based churches. And then you come to Christ. And now the reno project's in a different area because you didn't do all those things wrong, but you have a whole other set of issues given the things that you experienced. But the reality is, is no matter what your history is, all of us are being renovated. And if you're here right now, if you don't think you need to be renovated, that is exactly where God wants to work on you. Because all of us have areas that God wants to work on. Because we're not perfected yet. I mean, we're perfect in Christ, but our experience of living out that perfection is in process. So we're all in the process of becoming who we really are in the finished work of Christ. Does that make sense? Now, in verse 5, we see what is commonly, it's the death of Moses. Look what it says. It says, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses had ended. Now, this is some very, very fascinating stuff. First, I want you to notice this in verse 5. So Moses, the servant of the Lord. That is an amazingly beautiful designation. Because if you read through the Bible, you find David was a servant of the Lord. There's a number of people who get that designation. And I want to encourage and exhort you to live your life in such a way that when people remember you, they remember your name, the servant of the Lord. Because that is the ultimate designation. Because Jesus said, greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all. Right? And so if you live your life, my only goal is to be the servant of the Lord. Whatever my Lord, whatever my master wants from me, I am here at his pleasure. If that's the only goal you have in life, then you will live a life that will be drenched with the things of God. I want you to write that down. Put your name down and say, the servant of the Lord. This is what we're gonna do all of us. I want you to say your name out loud. Ready, go. The servant of the Lord. Say your name again and then say, the servant of the Lord. Go ahead. Yeah. The servant of the Lord. I want you to get used to talking about yourself that way. Because that is who we are. We want to be the kind of people when the Lord says, whom shall we send? We say, send me because I am a servant of the Lord. See, I love this kind of stuff. I'm always trying to find, because I want to major in the majors. I realize life is full of distractions. There's all sorts of things I can get involved in. But I want to make sure I get the most important things down. So when I see something like this, the servant of the Lord, I'm like, I can hang my hat on that. I can live my whole life saying, I just want Daniel Fusco to be known as the servant of the Lord. In the same way, the idea of love. Love is the point. The art of living is loving. That's the way I like to say it. So it's really easy then every day. Have I loved people today? Have I loved God today? I don't have to worry about, if I get the servant of the Lord and love God and love people right, and if I do that for my whole life, guess what? I'm going to be exactly where I want to be. Not perfect, but those are the big things. A lot of the other things, they're peripheral stuff. So I'm always trying to break a complicated life down into very bite-sized, simple things. And I think this servant of the Lord language is important. Because if you read in your Bible, the greatest in the kingdom is a servant of the Lord. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, said he died there. So now we see Moses. We've been traveling with Moses since the book of Exodus. Now we see him, he dies. He dies. And we learned some really interesting things. Notice in verse six, and he, capital H, buried him, lowercase h, in the valley of the land of Moab opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows his grave to this day. God buried Moses. Anybody wonder how that all works? I sure do. All we learn is that Moses was buried by God himself And nobody knows where the grave is. Now, what's really fascinating about this is that by the time if you fast forward to the book of Jude, that very small one chapter book before the book of Revelation, you find in Jude verse nine that Satan and the archangel Michael disputed over the body of Moses. And all the archangel said was Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Now, that's a very strange... You guys ever read that before? Ever wonder what it was all about? You should wonder what it's. That's an interesting thing. So there's some sort of dispute between Satan and the archangel about the body of Now, I'm going to read you a long quotation. It's kind of dry, but I want to read you the whole quotation because I think it's very fascinating. This comes from a book called The Legends of the Jews. Now, you realize that the Bible is God's word, but there's all sorts of other writings that go around the Bible. They're extra biblical literature, right? Some of them are uh, books that are in the in-between periods. There's also lots of oral law or oral teaching that went along. If Literally, if you were to want to study all the writings surrounding the Pentateuch, literally, it would fill our entire campus with books. Because so many rabbis have written so many, there's the Mishnah and there's the Talmud and there's all these different writings. And so an author named Ginsburg wrote down a lot of the kind of oral teachings because before they wrote all this stuff down, everything was transmitted orally. And so there's all this discussion. So I'm going to read you this long passage about the death of Moses. And I think you'll see why I'm reading it to you. It says this, it says... In the meantime, Moses' time was at an end. A voice from heaven resounded, saying, Why, Moses, dost thou strive in vain? Thy last second is at hand. Moses instantly stood up for prayer and said, Lord of the world, be mindful of the day on which thou didst reveal thyself to me in the bush of thorns, and be mindful also of the day when I ascended into heaven and during forty days partook of neither food nor drink." You gracious and merciful God, deliver me into, not into the hand of Satan. And God replied, I've heard thy prayer. I myself shall attend to thee and bury thee. Moses now sanctified himself as do the seraphim that surround the divine majesty, whereupon God from the highest heavens revealed himself to receive Moses' soul. When Moses beheld the Holy One, blessed be his name, he fell upon his face and said, Lord of the world, In love, you did create the world and in love, you guide it. Treat me also with love and deliver me into the hands, not into the hands of the angel of death. A heavenly voice sounded and said, Moses, be not afraid. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your reward. With God descended from heaven, three angels, Michael, Gabriel, and Zagzagel. Gabriel arranged Moses' couch Michael spread out it with purple garment and Zagzale laid down a wooden pillow. God stationed himself over Moses' head. Michael at his right, Gabriel at his left, and Zagzale at his feet, whereupon God addressed Moses, cross thy feet. Moses did so. And then he said, fold thy hands and lay them upon thy breast. And Moses did so. Then God said, close thine eyes. And Moses did so. And then God spake to Moses and Saul, my daughter, 120 years Had I decreed that thou shouldst dwell in this righteous man's body, but hesitate not now to leave it, for thy time is run. I myself shall take you to the highest heavens and let you dwell under the throne of my glory. And when Moses heard these words, he permitted his soul to leave him, saying to her, Return to thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with thee. God thereupon took Moses' soul by kissing him on the mouth. Now, guess what? I have no clue what that actually really means. But I did want, you know, I want you to, to realize that, you know, when it just says that Moses died and God buried him, like what exactly does that mean? And you have, this is some of the writings that surround in the folklore of Judaism on the death of, of Moses. Now, I just read you, I wouldn't put any stock in it. I know what's unfortunate is I think we live in a day and age where oftentimes people are more interested in extra biblical things than biblical things. You know, where it's so much easier to get excited about, wow, this crazy legend. And, you know, some of you are like, wow, you know, they called Moses' soul a her. What does that mean? And you get all, you know, and you can get all interested in all these things. I wouldn't put much stock in it, but I thought it was an interesting thing as part of the folklore surrounding the death of Moses. And so you end up having Moses dying, he's buried, no one knows where he is. Now in verse 7, what we learn is that Moses was 120 years old when he dies. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. Now it's fascinating, because first you know that Moses' life, 120 years, divided into three kind of distinct seasons. His first 40 years, remember, he was raised as a prince in Egypt, Pharaoh's daughter received him out of the river when they put him to die, received him. And he was raised in Pharaoh's court. But at the end of the 40 years, remember, he went out and he saw an Egyptian harassing uh, one of his Hebrew brothers. And he killed the Egyptian and buried him. Hope no one knew. But everyone found out about it. And then Moses fled. So it's almost like the first 40 years Moses lived in privilege. He had everything somebody could want. And then for the next 40 years, from his 40 to he was 80, he lived in the Midian wilderness. He married Zipporah. He took care of his father-in-law Jethro's flocks. And he wandered around the desert. And you can look at it, as if the first 40 years was a time of privilege, the second 40 years was a time of brokenness. Where Moses, it was almost like he spent 40 years learning he was somebody, and then he spent 40 years learning he was nobody. He was just a shepherd and the, like there was nobody. it was just him and sheep and his wife and, and, and his family and there was a season of nothingness. it was a wilderness season, but God used the wilderness season so that God could use mightily on the back forty on that last forty year period when he went and he was god 's mouthpiece god 's ambassador to Pharaoh and to the children of Israel, and led them from Egyptian bondage all the way to the precipice of the promised land. And in that season, spoke with the Lord and learned from the Lord and shared with others. And I bring this up because I think for many of us, we have a hard time discerning the seasons and we have a hard time seeing God's purpose in the seasons. But isn't it true? It's like many of you right now, you're going through seasons like, why? But what if Every season of our life is purposeful from the Lord to work certain things into our lives that cannot be worked in any other way. See, when you get to the end of Moses' life and you look back with the hindsight, that's 2020, you begin to see God was wise with the life of Moses. You might say, well, man, that's lost 40 years in the middle. They weren't lost. God revealed himself to Moses at that burning, fiery bush in such a powerful way. So are you being faithful in the season you're in? That's the big question. Whatever the season is, are you walking faithfully? I mean, I think what happens is is in seasons of privilege, we forget the Lord, and then in seasons of wilderness and brokenness, we despair in the Lord. But really, in the season of privilege, we should praise the Lord. In the season of wilderness and brokenness, we should praise the Lord. And in the seasons of much fruitfulness, we should praise the Lord. But the key is, is, can we figure out how to do that when it's happening? It's easy after the fact, right? It's easy to be like, oh, yeah, look at what God was doing. But it's in the midst of it, can we choose to be faithful, and I think that when I look at the life of Moses, I want to learn how to be faithful in whatever the seasons are. And we do learn here, of course, that Moses at 120, his eyes was not dim. So his eyesight was not weakened and his natural vigor was not reduced. So really what this is, is that Moses at 120 was ready to go run an iron man. You know, like he was ready to go. His, it wasn't like he was just, his body was breaking down. He had it all together, but it was his time. And, and the children of Israel wept for Moses for 30 days. They mourned for him because he had been their leader all this time. And now to close out this chapter, verse 9. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom And Moses had laid his hands on him, so the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. So, But since then, there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. In all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do, in the land of Egypt before Pharaoh, before all his servants, and in all his land, and by all that mighty power and all that great terror which Moses performed in the sight of Israel. So we learn that as Moses passes from the scene, God has a new leader. Joshua, the son of Nun. He was full of the spirit of wisdom and Moses had laid hands on him. So there was that formal transfer of leadership from Moses to Joshua. And if you recall, Moses had discipled Joshua. Joshua was apprenticing in the things of God under Moses for many, many years. Moses allowed Joshua into what God was doing in and through his life so that Joshua could be raised up. And now it's time for Joshua to receive that leadership role that God had ordained him for. This speaks to me, of course, about discipleship. And I like to say that discipleship is somebody who is farther down the road in the things of God, inviting somebody who is not as far down the road in the things of God to sit with them in the middle of their life and see what Jesus is up to. That's what discipleship is. And we always encourage everyone to be disciples. And to be someone who's pouring into other people. You are designed to learn from and to teach other people. We are all doctors and patients. We are all teachers and students. And God wants each one of us to bring people along. Bring people under our wings and allow them to learn the things of God in the midst of the things that we're learning And at the same time, to be pouring down into other people. And I want to encourage all of you to make sure that you are involved in the discipleship process. Not linking people to you, but linking people to the Lord. See, Joshua was passionate and he loved Moses, but Moses linked him to the Lord, not to Moses. And good discipleship doesn't link somebody to a person unless that person is Jesus. We see the wisdom and the testimony and the fruitfulness of Joshua's life and you can praise God for Moses' tutelage of Joshua. And I think if you look at your life, those of you who feel like God is doing some amazing things, I guarantee there's a number of people who've been instrumental in that because God uses people in each one of our lives. He uses people to make investments in our lives as Moses did to Joshua. Now, it's beautiful because we find that because Moses and his investment, the children of Israel heeded Joshua. They allowed Joshua to lead them. But we're reminded in verses 10 to 12 that none arose in Israel who was a prophet like Moses whom the Lord knew face to face. And that was true up until the Lord Jesus came. Because Jesus was the prophesied prophet who was going to come after Moses in Deuteronomy 18. But there was unique things about Moses' life. One, this idea of the unique intimacy and personal relationship that he had with God, this idea of knowing God face to face. It was a Hebrew way of saying there was a deep intimacy between Moses and the Lord. And we saw it all the way through Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. And all the signs and wonders. Moses was unique in the number and the kinds of miracles. Of course, this was true up until Jesus shows up, right? And Jesus is giving sight to the blind and he's healing lepers and he's raising people from the dead and all these different things are going on. So the uniqueness in the signs and wonders. And then, of course, in verse 12, by all the mighty power and all the great terror that Moses performed in the sight of Israel. Now you might be like, the great terror, of course, that would make you think of a lot of the plagues and the different things that went on, all the different judgments that came on the children of Israel for rebellion against the Lord and against Moses. And there's no doubt that when you think of Jesus, the terror that comes with Jesus as the judge is truly unlike anything that the Bible's ever seen.
1: Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel concluded this study of Deuteronomy today by looking back at the journey Moses took. He shared what this leader of Israel had been through, how he had followed the Lord, and what his leadership looked like. Pastor Daniel also shared how Moses passed the torch to the next man in charge, Joshua, who would actually enter the promised land with God's people. Moses' life wasn't perfect, but was a testimony to the power of God and what he can do in and through you even now.
0: Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com.
1: Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Click on the Stations option in the main menu and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Today's message wrapped up this cause and effect series from the book of Deuteronomy. It's been a study of people and events that happened long ago, yet every story and lesson applies now in this day and age. The Israelites learned that God wanted them to be different. Pastor Daniel said the same to you. God wants you to be different than the world